0: This episode is brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is the number one tool for all podcasters. You can record high fidelity audio between remote locations and get studio quality sound. Go to zencaster.com and use coupon code thatentertains for 20% off for three months or 20% off an annual plan. This is the Bass Entertainment Podcast. Awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. You guys are awesome. No, you're awesome. You are awesome. Sir, you are awesome. Seriously. Awesome. 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 Everything is awesome. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. Uh, this week's show uh, was such a fun conversation, and we'll get to that in just a second. Um, as you guys can tell from when you're listening to these, uh, I'm, I'm, especially with this episode going forward, we're, we're posting a couple in a row. Uh, September was a busy month when it came to um, everything, uh, mainly uh, Comic-Con and preparing for Keystone Comic-Con, the first ever Keystone Comic-Con. So uh, you're going to listen probably uh, after this one post, this episode post, within the next day or two, uh, you're going to see three more episodes post. And that's um, episode 139, I believe. Uh, or episode 138 uh, with uh, with uh, Roshni. Episode 140 is my Keystone Comic-Con coverage. Um, I sat down with Mike Postcon. We recorded an intro and outro. We're going to present to you in two separate episodes. My interview with Megaran and my interview with Sandy King Carpenter. Great, great conversations. Obviously, the... the um, podcast landscape has changed as far as episodes are concerned with Everything is Awesome uh, compared to what I announced earlier in the uh, month, I believe maybe even uh, late last month. Uh, but we're, we're we're chugging along going forward with uh, pushing some interviews back and, and uh, we're still going to have uh, Lee from Slim Turkey on uh, in early October now, maybe mid-October. Um, we're going to have Jeff Stormer on in mid-October to help promote his Kickstarter. We're going to have um ben wallace from uh from priest post and pot of love uh and a whole bunch of things um on in early october we so we have a lot of guests coming at you that you'll you'll be hearing from um but for now we are here uh and i just want to take a quick second to thank you for taking time out of your day. Uh, you could be sitting around literally doing anything, listening to anything, and you've taken the time to listen to Everything is Awesome. Whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, thank you so much for being here, for being on the journey. Uh, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to my guests. I know that for sure. If you are looking for other ways to help support this show, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash entertains. That Patreon is a way to subscribe to the That's Entertainment Podcast Network. That gets you early access to everything is awesome to the ladies who rant to uh, bullies keep out it gets you some exclusive content that we have to start rolling out in october probably from uh, from pretty much all the shows um, that are on the network Uh, we're going to be launching a couple new shows that are going to have more exclusive content down the way Uh, we'll get to that in a second but uh, for as little as $2 a month, uh, $5 a month is kind of the sweet spot where you get some early access, not early access, I think early access is for everything, but uh, the $5 a month spot uh, is the sweet spot to get the bonus content, that's very important, um, and, and we have higher tiers where you can do more and cooler things with us, and all that money goes towards helping cover costs for all these podcasts uh whether it's in-house shows and where I'm paying out of pocket for them uh or if it's for our syndicated shows like Victims and Villains where they will be reimbursed their hosting fees uh for contributing to our Patreon so Uh, it will mean the world to all of us if you could do that because we can cover hosting fees for all our shows they can then go ahead and use the money they normally would spend uh, paying me to do the hosting and editing or paying their hosting provider uh, in the case of victims and villains Uh, they can use that to create more content and do what they want to do full-time or at least take another step in that direction so Subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash that entertains um doesn't just benefit this show, it benefits the entire network. Um and and benefiting the network means just more content coming at you guys. More content like in October we are going to be starting uh, I think I've been calling it two new shows. Um but uh the I think the uh, one might be getting pushed a little bit, but for sure, uh, we are starting After Party of One on October 1st. After Party of One is a show where I sit down and chat with people in the tabletop role-playing community about the, uh, about the Party of One podcast, uh, hosted by Jeff Stormer, fellow Philadelphia podcaster. Um, and we, we he releases about four shows a month, and we're going to sit down for uh, about 30 to 45 minutes uh, and talk about all those episodes and just kind of hit on some of the themes, some of the mechanics, hit on um, what we enjoyed about the episode. Uh, if there's anything that we kind of thought didn't work, we may even bring that up. We're not just because Jeff's a friend of mine, just because... Uh, we are a show that is covering after, uh, that that is, um, just because we're a show that is covering party of one doesn't mean that we're not going to be critical of it when we need to. Uh, because I, I believe in, in two sides of the same coin, you're going to have the good with the bad, but for the most part, if you're a fan of party of one podcast, you know that it's always usually good. There's very little things that I I've ever listened to from Jeff where I'm like, well, that didn't work. I might not be as passionate about it as some other people, including Jeff is, but I definitely uh, think that he's just such a great storyteller, and that's why I wanted to start this um, this after talk show uh, for Party of one and I had the idea to do it for a couple different shows, but um, I, wa- I really wanted to have a-, a better working relationship. Jeff and I, you know, I consider Jeff a really good friend. Uh, we, we are podcasting buddies, and we, we've gone on each, on each other's shows. But um, I wanted to have a working relationship with him as well because I just really enjoy his content and, and he makes me want to be a better podcaster. So that's kind of how After Party of One was born. Uh, we're actually, at the time of me recording this pre-intro, we're going to be recording uh, our first episode of Party of One tonight. Still looking for a second guest. Last minute, it may be just Jeff and I. Um, it may be me, Jeff, and somebody else. But it will never be more than three people. Um, I like to sit down uh, with, with a smaller group. Uh, and, and discuss these shows to kind of keep in it, um, to keep it true to the party of one theme of him and one other player. Um, I wanted to go beyond that just because I like having more voices at the table I want this show to be very inclusive uh, so and I want to be able to 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 feature more people at the same time anyway uh, so we are going to be recording that tonight we're also going to be starting I I believe we're going to be recording it in uh, mid-October with maybe an early November launch uh, and that is Black Squadron Radio that's going to be a fun Star Wars podcast can't wait to bring that to you guys we also uh, kind of uh, fell into our laps another show will be starting probably in November as well uh, but more details on that after It's actually, uh, we get the two or three episodes we want to bank first banked And then I will make that announcement Um, So thank you guys for listening to the show Thank you guys for supporting us every way that you do Whether that's through Patreon, whether that's through leaving a five star rating and review Or if it's just word of mouth recommendations telling your friends and family about this show Let's get to it This week we have uh, a great guest I sat down and talked with Kenzie Bond, the author of The 90 Day House Kenzie is from Texas, and we sit down, we chat about Texas, Philly. Obviously, there's kind of a connection there when it comes to Eagles versus Dallas. She's from the Houston area, so not so much fun there, but we did talk football, NFL for me, college and high school for her. We chatted about uh, all the places that are worth visiting, including uh, the great, great Warner Brothers tour in L.A., uh, Disney, both world and land, Sesame Place, both the old Texas site and the current Philadelphia one. We also chat about Kenzie's writing, what's next for her, and more. Without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Kenzie right here on awesomepodcast.com and thatentertains.com slash network. You mentioned you're from Texas. What part of Texas are you from?
1: I'm in, um, Bryan. I'm, I'm in Bryan, but it's Bryan College Station, home of the Fighting Texas Aggies. I don't know if you're in college football.
0: Uh, no. So the, 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 Northeast, um, now I would say that there are parts that like Penn state area is a big college football town, but, uh, Phil, I I'm from the Philadelphia area. So I, this is obviously why I'm asking. Uh, but yeah, this area is more, um, NFL. Uh, I think it's once you hit Atlanta, once, once you go that far South down the East coast, mm-hmm. um, Atlanta becomes a big college town.
1: Mm-hmm. So in here in Texas, both, High school and college football is a very big thing. But growing up here in Bryan College Station, uh, yeah, football has – although I'm not a football fan, and truth <laughs> be told, I've never even been to um, an Aggie game. It is a huge part of life here. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're known for. If so any of your listeners are college football fans. I'm sure they've heard of Texas A&M. So I'm in college yes. station. It's about um, an hour north of Houston. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. And now that you say it by the short name of Texas A&M, like that sounds familiar to me. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's um, my experience with Texas. I've been down there. I used to travel for work. So my experience with Texas is, I think, primarily the Dallas area. Um, mm-hmm. Is that where like that? I think it's called the Super Pages uh, Amphitheater or something like that.
1: I'm not sure, Um, probably, because you've got Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington, all in in a metroplex, and there's so much there. But yeah, that's not in Houston. So it it probably is Dallas. But yeah, I mean, I'd be willing to bet. And even here, things get renamed or, you know, building. So yeah, and Dallas is, I mean, it's a nice area. And if I was planning to move to a larger city, I'd definitely look at Dallas or Fort Worth.
0: Well, uh, I will like yeah. Those those amphitheaters go through so many names. Like they're, the, the the one that's it, the one that's local to Philly is actually in New Jersey. But that's uh, like I don't even know what the current name of is it now uh, because it's it's changed hands so many times. I just still call it the Tweeter Center because that's what it was. Like when I was a kid, it was the Tweeter Center. Um, but uh, I. So, so I maybe I've been to Houston once. I don't know. But I, yeah, so I used to travel for work all the time. And the first time I ever went, I was flying through Dallas. And being the typical Philadelphia Eagle fan I am, I, uh, I dressed head to toe in my Eagles gear. Like, I, ready to be, <laughs> but, and I was like, yeah, I want to be this guy. I want to go down. And, and it, I, it, I, if I had to guess, it was probably a time. It was the McNabb era. Um, so early 2000s, uh, early to mid 2000s. And, and we were playing well, not not as well as we we did this past year, but we were playing well. And uh, so I was like, oh yeah, I want to be that guy. And I'm gonna, it's just going to be a, like a fun little fight that happens when I get to the airport. And like, I remember going to a Dunkin Donuts to grab a coffee or something after I landed in Dallas. Big grin on my face, waiting for them to say something. And uh, the guy goes, oh, you're from Philly, an Eagles fan. I'm like, yeah, what of it? And he goes, you guys are playing real well this year. And then I had a <laughs> Turn around with my tail between my legs because I was the typical, I was the stereotypical Eagles fan that was just the a hole.
1: And you got some good old Texas hospitality, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's, I mean, and I was, I mean, that's a product, I think, of partially being in my 20s at the time. Uh, and I still like, even now in my thirties, I, you know, I, I, rag on Dallas a little bit, obviously, cause it's, it's just what you do. Um, just like, I know that there, like, I, we have local Dallas fans that that rag on us as well and, and rag on us all year, despite, you know, the, the eventual Super Bowl win. But, um, I, I won't bore you with any more football talk since you're not a huge football fan. That's just, that's my experience with, with, uh, with Texas specifically Dallas, which yeah, uh, As an Eagles fan, I was pleasantly surprised um, with how friendly everyone was because that's like kind of not what the sports world painted as the picture.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm glad you had a good experience in Texas because it it definitely could have gone another way.
0: Well, and you know, and I feel like that's true everywhere. Like I know that, um, Philadelphia, you know, I'm sure you've read things, everyone has read things about philly being a terrible sports town a terrible town and how they treat their people and 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 and, and guests and whatnot um specifically like after we won after we beat minnesota and after we won the super bowl uh, about like the chaos that ensued and admittedly that some of the things that happened after we won the super bowl was a little like i was like all right that's going a little too far guys but it, no one talked about the stuff that happened in New England, in, uh, Boston, or outside of Boston. See, I was, so, I was gonna say Boston is is what I would think of as being rough. Well, and and I had a I have a friend that lives out in Rhode Island, so he gets a lot of that, you know, New England news. And and he was telling me, and I read one article about it, and and it didn't really blow up. But he was telling me it blew up a little bit out there, where after the loss, there was. You know, there was there was a little bit of rioting, um, at least uh, what the news showed. So I, I guess my point is, like, I feel like every city has that has the same, quote unquote, troubles that Philly has. It's just that because we threw batteries at Santa Claus one time where we we get it all the time.
1: Yeah, that's a bit extreme. I know. I know. Uh,
0: generally, though, I I mean, I don't know how it is where where you're from but i i live in the suburbs of philly so i'm just like 45 minutes northeast i'm actually closer to trent new jersey than i am to philadelphia but what i enjoy about about this area specifically is that it's a not a big city so i don't have to as a as a dad with two young kids like i don't have to deal with any of that like i we they have a backyard and whatnot and but like within two to two and a half hours i can literally get to anywhere that I, that I think is, would be interesting. New York city, uh, is, you know, by car, maybe a little bit further, but, but by train about an hour and a half, two hours, uh, Philadelphia is with, you know, 45 minutes from me. I can get to, uh, the beach within an hour and a half. I can get down to like DC. If I'm really pushing the speed limit, uh, I can get there in two hours. There's just a lot of like history in this area that, that like when people say, oh man, are you ever going to move? And like, I tease about moving somewhere warmer cause I hate the snow, but I don't know. And maybe I don't know if it's, if, if there's um, in, in Texas, if you feel the same way in, in your area uh, it just, and I, f- I feel like everyone has something like, that so, can say within two hours, I can, I can do whatever I want.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless you're like in the middle of, of North Dakota or somewhere <laughs> like that. But now I'm the, your location sounds amazing where I am. You know, an hour is Houston, which is hot, but <laughs> um, there really is, uh, you know, amazing just cultural and social mm-hmm. events. It takes me about two, maybe two and a half hours to get to Dallas, uh, mainly people here jet back and forth to Houston. Um, if you wanted to go to Galveston, which is not my beach of choice, I'd prefer to go um, to Port Aransas That's going to be about three hours away. But here in Texas, especially, we, we drive. I mean, we... Yeah. and. I just drove last week and I told you I was traveling to Colorado and back, which is a 16 hour one way drive. So we're, yeah. Well, my dad doesn't fly. So if it wouldn't have been for him, we would have flown, but um, we're, we're used to driving. I don't have the locations that you have. I mean, to be Mm -hmm. within, you know, a couple hours drive of New York and DC, that's amazing. But I mean, I I can get to Houston in in under two hours. So that, that is pretty good. But like you, you know, here in Bryan College station, we're, we're approaching 300,000 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's definitely not a small town and having a tier one research university, you know, Texas A&M here, we, we do get a lot of big names, um, both, you know, just cultural events we've had. You know, we had a president visit a couple of years ago. So we definitely have some qualities of, of a larger yeah. city, but without some of the headaches of a larger city.
0: And and you know what that's what I love about like the suburbs is that it's it's uh, at least um being close enough to the city and city events. And and I like I, like I said I probably 10 years ago, 20 some year old Kev who had no kids and and no real responsibilities, I would have loved to live in the in the in, in the city of Philadelphia. Specifically, there's a little section called Manion where where my uncle lived for a while. And and I would hang out there a lot because he was he was more like a big brother to me. He was uh, he was only 16 years older than I was. Uh, and uh, it was cool. Just like that. There's this big like uh, bike race. That, I forget what it raises money for. But it's a bike race that goes around that, you know, I, I forget. I don't know how long it is, but it goes around like the Manioc area a few times. And that was just like for everyone sitting around watching it. It was just like the, all the neighborhoods opening up their backyards and having like a big, like you know, backyard drinking from not 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. kind of party um, and but I don't have to deal with that in suburbs uh, and, and so I get kind of the best of both worlds and and I think I would assume most suburbs kind of can can claim the same thing but um, yeah I, it, it's nice to have these those big city luxuries uh, just a stone throws away absolutely uh, so uh, you are uh, and, and uh, very very specifically not a real estate agent, but uh, but uh, uh, explain what it is because I, I I reread it and and it's I can't get the exact wording in my head now that I'm not looking at my phone. So so please tell me uh, and my audience like what it is it's not real estate agent, but it's it's in that industry, I guess, kind of. Sure. Um, you know, profession aside,
1: because actually I'm a high school principal. So that's like, you know, my day job. Um, okay. Okay. We could talk about high school football all day long here in Texas. Um, so I recently wrote a book and it's currently um, an Amazon bestseller and in, in at least one category, maybe more than one right now. Um, it's called the 90 day house. And it's just, it's okay. So I guess I'll give you a summary of what it is. And then we can talk about how I, I came to, The idea, Uh I I think, well, I came to the idea to write the book because every, I've bought and sold several houses. I actually just moved back to Bryan College Station three years ago. I've lived various places in Texas. Um, And I found that I bought at really strange times too, when I bought my first house was at the height of um, the real estate crash and the recession. So that was an interesting journey, but people... Being younger, when I was younger, it always seemed like buying a house was very out of reach. And I don't know why I felt that way. Um, you know, we grew up in a house, uh, we live in the suburbs, I, I'm not sure, but I found that people tend to go about it the wrong way. And it, actually, they go about it exactly backwards. Most people go looking for a house first, you know, they, they see a house they like, um, you know, call a realtor or whatever. And then at the very end of falling in love with the house and, you know, wanting it, they try to go and get financing for the house. And, you know, sometimes that doesn't work out well because if you haven't been keeping on top of everything, there's a number of things. There could be things on your credit. You you really don't know how much you can afford and you're looking at a, you know, $250,000 house when you can afford half of that. And so just seeing myself do it when I bought my first house and people do it throughout the years, I thought, OK, you know, here's something that I've done multiple times and typically at very weird times. Like I said, I bought my first house literally as the real estate market was crashing all around us. Um, and I've been able to do it, oddly enough, like within 30 days of deciding I needed to buy a house to close. And I've always been able to do it with no money down. And so for whatever reason, I've always been really Interested in both the real estate market. I, you know, I like houses and I do like watching the trends um, in both my area and nationwide. But I'm really interested in the mortgage industry for some reason. I'm not. I'm not a mortgage broker. Yeah. I'm not going to sell anybody a mortgage. But I think just because you know we've been told that buying a house is the American dream, and I'm I'm with that. I think there is there's something you know empowering about owning your own property, whether it's a condo or a farm. But it's out of reach for so many people. And I think it's just out of reach because they don't know what to do. Not that they necessarily can't you know, meet the qualifications or afford it. Half the time, people are paying more in rent than they would be paying in a mortgage. Oh, so yeah. I would. You know, in the last rental that I lived in here, I was paying $1,600 a month for a house that's half the size of the one that I just bought. And I'm paying less now in mortgage insurance and taxes. and it's it's crazy. And so I wrote this book um, really just to show people, here's what you need to do to be able to buy a house in the next ninety days. And it's very important right now. Um, I don't know how much you keep up with you know the lending industry or real estate trends, but we're 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 in a really strange time. Um, pretty much completely recovered from the disaster of a decade ago. And lending institutions are finally relaxing again. And they're actually, for the first time in 10 years, starting to offer no down payment mortgages again. And now we're not talking about the crazy ones, you know, the adjustable rates where you get in and you're you're making an affordable payment for the first two years and then it triples. You know, we're talking about your 30-year fixed rate mortgages, no money down. And it's not Mm. just one or two, it started out two years ago with one or two, but big name lenders, um, a lot of local credit unions are doing this. And then at the same time, so related or not related, housing prices are climbing slowly, but steadily. So this is, we're not talking about what happened in 2008, where it was um, almost like a false growth. And then it popped and, you know, people lost thousands of dollars of equity quickly. Yeah. It's it's a very organic climb but like right now and I keep saying this and the thing is I'm not selling anything I'm not a real estate agent I'm not a mortgage broker but right now is the time to buy a house because the trend of the price increase is not going to stop you know um I posted some articles on my Facebook page you know Reuters has posted these um economists it is not going to stop it's going to keep growing and, but again, lenders are ready to land and it's just, it, it's a very interesting time that we're in, but I have just found in my own experience, people don't know what
0: to do. So sorry. I kind of just went away. I just kind of <laughs> ran away with it. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Because I, it's, uh, I'm not, I, I'm such a, like a, a, an irresponsible person when it comes to money. So, um, I, uh, like my fiance takes care of everything and, but I am interested in like, learn, like, like listening to. Uh, that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, I I gotta say like sitting here as a homeowner, uh, I, I, even though I've gone through it, like I couldn't even, we, like, we often talk about like, what do we have to do? Like, like (laughs) when we decide to get a bigger house, like I forget the whole process and it becomes even more, at least in my eyes, and I'm sure you can you can unwind it for me to be not complicated. But in my eyes, it becomes even more complicated now. Is that it's not just about buying a house, but it's also selling the house that we're in, and and finding the happy balance of like, can we get everything to align at the same time?
1: Yes, and I have fortunately never been in that position because it is. I mean, it you have to. Really be calculated um, and know hopefully ahead of time. So when I moved, I left, you know, the last home and sold it. I did. I wanted to buy a house, but it was it was going to happen so quickly, and it's very hard to make it align. And here's another, I guess, caveat: if you're moving from one market to another, and this could be, you know, one town over, this could be another state, but if you're moving from a buyer's market to a seller's market or vice versa, it's going to be very hard to get your your timing to align. And so for someone like you when you decide to move to a bigger home, you're going to have to you're going to have to get all your the financial piece in order before you even start to look for a house. You're going to have to go through your pre-approval process. You're going to actually have to start the approval process because when you put in an offer on your new house, and the one that you're in sales, it's like, bam, that you know, they want it to close right then, bam, bam, bam and then if the people that you're buying a house from are in the same situation as you you're talking about a domino effect where everybody is waiting for everybody else's house to sell and so it's so important that you have all your ducks in a row and you're not going through this process with your your lender of you know what's this on your credit report or we need more income verification or you know the underwriter wants this the underwriter wants that and you could have a seller the house that you want that backs out of the deal, you know, and that, and now you've got your heart set on this house and they're backing out.
0: Yeah. It's uh, like, that all does not sound fun or easy. Uh, and, and it, it is actually kind of reminiscent of, of when you're just a first time home uh, buyer uh, where, and we did like, I, we're very really lucky in the sense that um I don't know. I can't. I can't believe that it would be me because I'm 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 an idiot when it comes to this kind of stuff. I if it's not about Batman, I usually have a hard time comprehending, uh, what to do. I'm just a giant man child. But, uh, the going through the the first time with this house was yeah. Pre like we did pretty much all the steps that you described there that that you would do for when you're selling and buying. Except we don't have to worry about selling. Um. It, but it's it just yeah it, it's like we we have we have uh people that are, are in our in our life that are recently are I don't know if they sold yet but they're like in the process of trying to sell their house and like they uh if they didn't already they' they're like I know people are put a bid in or something and they are also like haven't looked at houses yet I'm like how how do you not like how do you put your house on the market and like and not know where you're gonna go like that's so like I'm I'm not a person that gets many panic attacks, but that would give me a panic attack.
1: Mm -hmm. In fact, it's funny that you bring that up because I ran into an old friend about two weeks ago um, from high school and and we were talking about where we live now and we still live here in the same town. Um, She was like, yeah, we just closed on my house last week. And so I have three weeks to to find a new, and I'm like, oh my, you're not going to be able to buy a new house in three weeks if if you're not prepared. But yeah, she was just kind of blase about it. (laughs) I was like, you know, wow. And that's here where I am right now. It's it's kind of what you call a seller's market for entry-level homes, which I know the real estate market there is a little bit different, but we'll say for Texas for homes, you know, 250,000 and under, that would kind of be your entry-level first-time home buyers. And you put one on the market and it's going, this house that I'm in right now I saw it online one day. I text my realtor and I was like, hey, I'm interested in this house. And she said, there's already three offers on it. They're taking offers until six o'clock tomorrow. So why don't we just put in an offer tonight? And it's like nine o'clock at night. I hadn't even seen the house. And, you know, I'll submit it. You go look tomorrow. And if you like it, we'll proceed. That's the kind of market that that we have here for home 250. So fortunately, I did get the house. Wasn't the highest bidder, and I think we put in an offer for about 10,000 over the asking price. Wasn't the highest, but we had the best terms. But you put a house that's you know 300,000 and up, and it'll sit on the market for six months to a year,
0: yeah, yeah. And that sounds pretty similar to uh to to this you know i live in bucks county uh, which is just you know like i said out, just outside of trenton 45 minutes north of philly that sounds very similar to to this area or, or at least it did uh, i guess we're going on almost six years that we've been in the house so um and, and i would imagine that it's maybe only gone, gone up a little bit I, 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 I don't know what i'm talking about but <laughs> I, I know that when we bought that sounds very similar where you know uh, most, I mean, we didn't look at anything that was uh, above 200,000 just because mm-hmm. we, we were, and it, what I found super interesting, cause we know our first real estate agent, we made the mistake of, of high, uh, like looking at, um, like the sidebar of, uh, Zillow and like seeing like the top rated real estate agent that was, I don't know what the distance was, but he ended up being in Philly. So he was consistently late, uh, but had like a five-star like he must i don't know how he got the five-star rating but he was he didn't mesh well with us we found out and it was a very uh we, we we eventually switched to like a fam like a family used realtor that was a much better experience and she was the one that kind of said like well like listen i know you're looking at this price range and, and it's kind of limiting you to to this one township but if you if you look If you just increase a little bit and go over to this township, which is the township I wanted to live in, the taxes are lower. So, like, it it will and and it's it's all those crazy things that like I never would think of that can affect what the monthly payment is, and you can actually afford something higher if you're if you're in a surprisingly for for us, this is a better township. It just has lower taxes.
1: And you bring up a good point in that most people, it's not judgment. I mean, because I, I did it too, they, they do go into buying a house um, not fully aware of what they can afford. A, at least you had a price in mind. A lot of people don't. Um, you know, they don't they don't run any numbers, they don't get pre-approved or they, they don't run any of the calculators online. And so you know, they'll fall in love with the house. or like you said, believe that they're priced out of an area, you bring up a good point with with, with taxes because they definitely fluctuate even here in Texas Um, from County to County, they can fluctuate, but within a person's own financial situation, you know, you could make just throwing a number out there, 50,000 a year, but be able to afford more than a person making a hundred thousand a year, just based on your bills. You know, if you're, if you're making 50,000 a year, and you've paid your car off, and you know maybe you have a little credit card that you're paying on, but you're otherwise debt free, you're going to have a lot easier time getting approved for a larger amount than the person who's making twice that, but has student loan debt, and four or five credit cards, and they just bought a new car. So just like with your situation, what you can afford is not always based on that purchase price. It's also not always based on, just on your salary and I think that gets a lot of people it either makes them think they can afford more than they really can and then you're extremely disappointed when you run the numbers or you limit yourself and you run the numbers and you can find out that you can afford a lot more than you thought
0: yeah and I remember when we we did it like we 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 did the pre-approval and and I know we were pre-approved for like something much higher than what we bought for but like we we I, no i can't take any credit it was my, my fiance that like crunched all the numbers and i mean i helped uh you know and, and whatnot but she's like all right we got to make sure this this is this and like cross all our t's down all our i's and like so there's no way we can afford a house that's and i want to say we maybe were pre-approved for like 100 grand more than what we than what we ended up buying for or something like that and she's like there's no way that we're going to be able to realistically afford and, and i think we are or we're maybe in the spot now where we could we could do that because the kids like you know kids aren't in daycare anymore or, or the ones only part-time so we're, we're slowly freeing up income from that ever expensive daycare uh but it, it's and that's why we are considering a bigger house in, in a year or two uh, and, and we'll start this whole process over again, where I want to beat my head against the wall, looking at houses. And I'm sure, uh, that's actually the fun part. I love looking at houses. Uh, mm-hmm. it, we, we were lucky enough to the fir- with the first real estate agent. And I don't know, I, I feel like that obviously the right real estate agent, whether it's because they just mesh better with you and your personality or because they're actually helpful uh, w- which was our second real estate agent was both a better match personality wise and like kind of understood like how to navigate with us and, and kind of like, I know you don't want to do this, but like, here's why, you know, you should just look at it and do this and, and, and see what happens um, and kind of like forced us to do some things it was really, really good for us. And we had only seen with with the first real estate agent. We didn't see anything that really wowed us, um, because we we kept ourselves to a certain township that was high taxes and not the school that I like. For me, it was like if we move to this school district, is we're only gonna be here for five years because I grew up in this area and and so did my fiance. But I was like, we're not. I don't want to send my kid to the school district. I just it's it's not gonna happen. Um, so we had like a, going there. We we put ourselves in a built-in time limit where like we had to move in five years. Um, the second real estate agent like got us in the township that we wanted, the school district that we, that, that we agreed on. And, uh, and there was only one house that we put a bid on that we didn't get. And, and it was like kind of a bummer, but then we, we looked at it this way of uh, like, well, that one room had like nothing but hardwood floors and maybe a kid would have slipped and fell and got hurt. So it's better that we got this other house that's, pretty similar uh and and actually ended up having more property space because it's corner property and, and was cheaper
1: and i feel like your real estate market where you are has probably been pretty stable i don't know if y'all were hit as hard by the i two thousand
0: yeah probably i don't know because i again i'm um I, i'm a pretty big man child so like <laughs> what the, the the real estate i know was what about a decade ago is when it kind of collapsed
1: yeah it was 2008 it was summer of 2008 so honestly about exactly 10 years ago
0: yeah so uh 10 years ago I uh was probably worried about like who was playing Batman next or some or some nonsensical stuff I was not I I was uh 24 years old 10 years ago so I was I was not um at all ready to be a full-on adult adult yet
1: so I'm gonna get off topic for a minute um You've mentioned Batman like three times now. (laughs) Just throw this out here, you know, to either make you jealous or you'll say, yeah, I did that too. I I visited um, both Universal and Warner Brothers Studios. I go to L.A. about every year or so, and they have a complete uh, museum dedicated to Batman. So I've touched all the Batman cars, the Batman suits. I've played with the actual
0: Bat-Signal. Just so you know, I, um, so, uh, if, if we had this conversation almost exactly a year ago, I would have said, I, I, I never did it. But last this, this time last year, we were actually in where we, I think actually this time last year, we were probably flying home from LA. Uh, but we ended up, um, uh, my, my fiance part-time uh, she's a, she's a, a teacher but part-time does we do lularoe the uh the the leggings company Mm -hmm. uh and they have their convention out in in anaheim every year so we went we didn't go this year but we went last year and we we tacked on an extra day or two so that we could go to disneyland because i i mean the first time i went to disney world with the kids was the first time i went ever my in my you know as a Person, like I never went when I was a kid, so I was super excited to check out Disneyland. And then we ended up doing the Warner Brothers uh tour as well. And and they, yeah, they take well, and it was so when we went last year, they had half of it closed because they were like opening up, I think, the Wonder Woman display that day, Mm -hmm. and so we only got to see like the like half of it, which was the Batman Superman stuff. Um mm-hmm. and then yeah then the then further back was I guess like the the garage or whatever with all the cars and and all so I did get to see it and and hang out there so uh but i've I've only been out there out west in that in Anaheim once uh, and that was last year so uh that is I, it's something that I would love to do again because it's it's uh I don't know I, I love Batman, so it would be i I don't think I can get tired of looking at Batman collectible things.
1: It was totally wasted on me because I don't even think that I'd seen a Batman movie. Oh my God, how do you go
0: your life without seeing a Batman (laughs) movie?
1: I don't know. So, that I love the Warner Brothers studio, and, and honestly, it was probably my favorite. Part of, of this last trip and even doing universal, which is it's just completely different. But I I liked Warner Brothers better for a number of reasons. But yeah, I mean, the Batman stuff was like fun to play with, but it had no, no value <laughs> to me. And I have all these pictures of people like, what is this? Oh, it's Batman. Oh, OK. You know, there's a number of. Oh, but yeah, I mean, you should go. I, I get out to L.A. as much as I can just because uh, to me there is something for everybody there and i was a, I'm a little bit older than you so i was i kind of came of age in the 90s and it, just, it was a lot of uh west coast influence and so yeah and you know, we're totally off topic there but i'd I love it and it, it, to me it's my soul city if i was going to
0: move anywhere i'd be there Well, first of all this show is not is known for its tangents so don't worry about going off, <laughs> off topic <laughs> Cause I'll go off on land for sure. Um, I, but yeah, the, what I really, and, and I think both uh, my fiance and I, what we were looking forward to with the, um, with the tour, uh, the Warner Brothers tour was the Friends set. And that was cool. Like, cause we're both yeah. massive Friends fans. And that was like just a fun, like, oh, let's go get our picture taken on the couch. And like really the, the, that, yeah. that part of the tour, I, I think all the Batman stuff was like before that and this was like I, the self-guided part of the tour was was friends on mm-hmm. basically if i remember correctly mm-hmm. yeah. and uh all the other stuff after that was kind of cool and it was kind of like neat reading about stuff but like that and the central perk cafe were like my favorite parts of that that section of the tour because i could really care less about i mean I, i'm sure all that stuff had had a been part of my life at some point but friends is definitely one of the most impactful things that, that that's happened on television in you know forever really it's it's i don't i don't know if there's a sitcom that's ever been better or ever will be better
1: Are
0: you a Big Bang Theory fan? Sometimes. Like, I can watch it. I don't like it as much as Friends. Uh, It's obviously super popular. And I guess maybe there's people that will say that it is, like, the next Friends. But the issue I have with that show is that show started right around when a show called Community started, which was on NBC. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were both kind of like the quote-unquote geek show, except Big Bang is a geek show written seemingly by popular kids who are guessing what geek culture is. Um, and sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they don't. And I think as the show's gone on, they're getting it right more and more because geek culture has kind of taken over the world a little bit more. So it's, it's kind of everyone kind of knows what geek culture is, but community was just really, really ri- like it was written sm- like really smart, like really smart writing and, um, There there was the geek stuff wasn't like put out on Front Street like Big Bang does Big Bang does it. Like a lot of it was just kind of low key. Like one of my favorite jokes that community did is they took three seasons to tell a Beetlejuice joke by every season, uh, so like one episode somebody said Beetlejuice, and then in the third season, when when they said it for the third time, just randomly in the background, you could barely see it, but you saw Beetlejuice walk by and and to me that's just really intelligent and and it never got the credit that that big bang did because it's it's off the air now um but uh big bang is for me i like just kind of putting it on in the background um it's kind of like oh there's nothing else on i'll watch big bang
1: Mm-hmm. i do that too i i the reason i ask is we got to visit the set at one uh, brothers not did.
0: um did we i don't know if we got we we got um, – I forgot what – we saw Conan. They took us to the Conan set and they took us mm-hmm. to – what was – they took us to another show and I can't – I think – oh, they took us to the – I guess it was technically the Fuller House set, um, hmm. which I think. I forget, Maybe not. I, I honestly forget what the other set was. It was not Big Bang though. They didn't take us to the Big Bang set.
1: Yeah, it was pretty neat and I, I don't think that – and I watch Big Bang. I'm kind of like you all – it'll be on, you know, reruns and I'll just have it on. I don't think it'll ever be a friend. I, mean, yeah. I I don't, I don't think it has the the depth of friends and friends, you know, to me in friends, every, every character was a, was a fully fleshed mm. out character. And of course the, the focus would shift from time to time, but you think a big bang. And to me it's, you know, you have your two main characters and then everyone else is just kind of a supporting character. That's the way I feel. But it was neat going on to the set because it is a, a pretty big yeah. show right now. We weren't filming, but that was definitely a, a high point there at Warner Brothers, which again, it was, I, I would go back, you know, next time I go to LA, I'm going back for
0: sure. Yeah, that was, it was, it was a fun tour and I would totally go back and, and, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll go back. Out. Cause what we really liked about um out there and, and uh, you know, that tour is great, but Disneyland, uh, was, was great because it like we, and we, they just introduced when we went last year, the, the, I think they're calling it the max pass, which is like the fast pass mm-hmm. down at Disney world. And, uh, so it was like, it was like anyone could buy it. Uh, it was super cheap. It was like $10 for the day a person. So we paid $20 mm-hmm. to get the max pass. And there was people in line, like when we would stand in line for your eyes that were saying, man, even the, on the max pass, these lines are like outrageously long. And and my fiance and I look at each other, we're like, man, they've never been to Disney world because like the Disney world lines are ridiculously long, even with like fast pass, like you can wait up to like a half hour, uh, a half hour or so. And I don't think in Disneyland, we waited more than maybe about 20 minutes for a ride. Uh, and that's, that was a long wait for us. So, um, w- when we take the like we try to go to disney world every two years because it just it doesn't seem like there's enough time to experience everything that specifically like the magic kingdom has to offer but just all the parks and now that they're like adding things almost every two years uh or every year even i think they added avatar last year toy story this year star wars next year um there's just new things to go see but my son is uh he's six and a half. My daughter is is four ish, a little a little older than four. And when we went last year, um, my daughter, we when did we go? I think we went right around when she turned three. Um, and they like they don't do. They, it was just really hot. Uh and they were getting really tired pretty easily. We went to Hollywood Studios during one of the Star Wars marches that they were doing and it scared the kids. There's just a lot of people. So like I would love to take them to Disneyland because for us, we live uh like within five minutes from Sesame Place, which is the only I guess it used to be a couple I think there was it used to be a Sesame place down in Texas somewhere, right?
1: Yes. And in fact, it's funny that you bring that up because I went, oh man, I was probably about six or seven. I mean, it shut down a long, long time ago. But yeah, actually, we've got old pictures of me there when I was about six or seven.
0: Yeah, I remember, I don't know, I don't know if maybe my memory is just my parents telling me about like, oh yeah, there used to be more than one Sesame Place. Or if like, Mm -hmm. I remember having a, like a, I guess a placemat that showed all the different sesame places. Cause I think there was like three of them at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, but that now it's, I, to my knowledge, I think there's only one and it's the one that's here in, uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, and then they have like a little land in Bush gardens. Uh, but, um, the, the comparison I always, like I made to Disneyland was like, uh, when we went, I was like, this is like a busy day at Sesame. <laughs> Like it's not, and that's not bad. Like it's, it's a manageable day still. So I would love to go back simply just to go back to Disneyland and, and, and have the kids like kind of have like a stress free stress free day. So LA is great. I would love to go back and, and I hope to go back soon um, again. And like I said, just to, yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot to do that the kids even would love to, you know, go experience because there's just there's so much and and compared to disney world you don't have to do disney for a full week you can do disney for like a day or two and then move on to other parks like universal and stuff like that
1: yeah i can do it for a day especially if they have avatar i would like to experience
0: that but i couldn't do the the week Uh, no see see disney world i is i'm immersed and 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 i if we go to the if we go to florida uh, I like, I would maybe by the end of it, it's like, okay, I'm ready to go home, but that's, that's just because there's a, you're just moving, moving the whole time, but there's, and like, for instance, like, I think Epcot is, is a park that like, eh, I don't need to do this again, like for a couple of years. Cause not much has changed. I, I think we went, I think we went for a day last year uh which was the second time we went but like i didn't do the, like i didn't make it a goal to run around all the worlds and drink i just kind of relaxed because like i had already done it um but epcot's one that you can take or leave hollywood studios i really love like that to me is like my favorite park because again that's like where all the kiki stuff is um and and magic kingdom is somewhere you can get lost in all the other parks are usually like a one day thing but magic kingdom and hollywood studios i could like spend two or three days in before i got really tired of them
1: yeah. I like to, if you, if you ever decide to go to LA, you know, without your kids, with just you, you and your fiance, there's so much to do and kind of the way you feel about Disneyland or Disney world. I, I actually feel about the city. Just every time you go, it's that there, there's something else. Well, I haven't done this. I haven't done this. I haven't done this. And there's all the, the Hollywood Hills yeah. tours. I mean, there's just the cheesy stuff, you know, like the, the stars and sunset Boulevard. Um, but there, there's so much more. And there's a lot of, of, history, you know, and cultural history there um, that you can really partake in. And and I'm interested in a lot. And next time you're there, you have to check out, and I'm going to like totally give them free advertisement here, Uncle Charlie's. It is, it's on Manhattan Beach. It is the best breakfast you have ever had in your life. I promise you. I've seen several people there and they all say it is the
0: Hands down, best breakfast they've ever had in their life. That's funny because you you said that. I was like, why does that sound so familiar? And it's not related at all. But I was like, that's like our pizza shop is Uncle Charlie's like around the corner from us.
1: They have, it's, you know, it's the suburb of LA. So it's in Manhattan Beach and they have the best pancakes, the, be- the best, almost the best coffee. And it's just, I think it's just standard coffee. I don't even <laughs> think it's, you know, a designer brand but it is and it's packed. Every day. I mean, you have to get there early and it's tiny. I, the whole place is probably as big as my living oh, wow. room. And it, yeah, every day. And, you know, there's outdoor seating and you can sit outside and you'll sit outside because you don't want to wait. But it is, it's to me, it's a staple. You, you just
0: have to go when you go to LA. Well, I'll have to keep that, keep that in mind. And for me, like one of the staples to go whenever I, I get a chance to go out west, I, I went out there. Uh, I think once for work and then and then once for uh, like years and years ago and then once for for the LuLaRoe thing last year. And uh, I fell in love with In-N-Out. That's like and I don't know if if, does In-N-Out reach Texas? I know it's like primarily California, maybe Nevada, but.
1: We don't have any down here, you know, the Bryant-Called Station area, but I believe um, either San Antonio or the Dallas area, because I've I've heard a couple of people talking about it. But, you know, here in Texas, we are Whataburger people.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know that there's – is that primarily – is that only in Texas, or have they franchised out? in Texas. Okay. In Texas, Mm-hmm.
1: You need to get you a. Water. Yeah,
0: I, I've heard about that. Like the for us, see, I, I in in the Philly area, I mean, we just we have Philly cheesesteak, so I guess that's why we don't have like a specific burger joint. Like the closest thing we have, which to me I think is maybe it's primarily East Coast, but I feel like it. They're so common that I I feel like they're bigger than than that is Five Guys. Um, I Don't mm-hmm. know if that reaches, I don't know how far that reaches out because again, like, I it's just so commonplace around here. And but that, like, f- for me, Five Guys is the closest thing to an in and out burger you can get. Um, and, and it's uh, I, I love the In-N-Out. their fries, the in and out fries you can take or leave, like, they're not anything special, but their burger is, is amazing. Um, that, that's my staple when i go out there is i gotta find the first thing i need to do and the, before uh we go to our hotel is is get that in and out and then the last thing i have to do before we get to the airport to go home is get another in and out yeah you need to try a water burger yeah i i, I we um they, they uh Lulu Row. i don't know where in texas i know that they go like they do a couple conventions outside of like the big one and uh, I know that we've talked about going to, to. I think they do one in Texas, or they have. I don't know if it's a regular thing, but they did one at least one. Um, I don't know. I would. I don't. I don't know if there's anything like that would bring us to Texas.
1: Uh, probably not. What's that? <laughs> I hate to say it. There's probably not. <laughs> I Hate to say it.
0: Yeah. Well, I, and, and it's it's nothing against the you know the state. It's just that like you know there's. I, I think and if, unless you live in Texas and I think the same could be said about like a lot of States, like the, I think the same could be said about Pennsylvania is like, unless there's something to, that brings you out to Pennsylvania, if you're not from like the tri-state area, you really have no reason to go to Pennsylvania.
1: See, I've always wanted to go to Pennsylvania the furthest North that I've made it is to DC. Okay, um, but It's funny that you bring that up because. You know, like I said, me and my dad just went to Colorado a week or two ago, and we were—I brought it up. I said, you know, I think we were looking at some people around us that were obviously from there, and I said, I wonder if anybody ever, you know, just packs up and, and visits Houston, you know, unless unless you have family, friends, something in Texas. Even though we do have, you know, attractions, we have beaches, but you know, there's thousands of miles of coastline in the United States. I don't know that people just come visit Texas, you know, just for, for leisure and recreation. I doubt
0: it. And because the only time I've been out there is for work and I can't. I can't knock it because I enjoyed it, and like actually, one of my favorite. I think I've been out there maybe two or three times for work, but the one that sticks out in my mind is working at that Super Pages uh, place, which I think was in the the Dallas area. Uh, and um, but that was like such a fun experience because, um, uh, Sant, Santina, the, the hmm, who's that guitar player? I know it's not Santina, Santino. Santina.
1: Santa, hey, that's it,
0: Santana. And mm-hmm. I, I, I used to. I guess I'm not a huge fan, obviously, because I can't remember the name. But I used to have at least one or two of his albums somewhere on one of my devices and and, and whatnot. And that was uh, he was playing there the night that like that we were installing their point of sale system, and because there was like issues in previous installs, they're like, we need you there the night of the event. And it was like a free concert for us. Uh, We all we had to do was walk around and check on the cashiers and and then stare at the, you know, at the concert going on. Uh, So that was like a really cool experience. And but that's the thing is like unless there's something to bring me down there. And again, I can say that about probably like 45 states unless there's something to bring me there. I'm not really going to go.
1: Sure. Like I, I don't see myself ever going and I'm not knocking like, you know, North or South Dakota, but don't ever see myself visiting there unless I'm, I'm retired and doing some kind of RV trip through the U.S.
0: You know what? Yeah, I I, I would agree. Like, I don't know what states I haven't visited. I think because my job that I had years and years ago was traveling around the country and I, I, I haven't like gone back to count in a while to see how many states I've been to. But I know. I was either through half of them or or more than slightly more than half, and I that might be like something that I try to do when the kids are grown and I'm retired is like visit the states I haven't visited yet, which would include both North and South Dakota. I don't think I've been to either of those because uh, again, like I don't know why. Like there's nothing, nothing about. I don't know anything about this. I couldn't even tell you where they necessarily are, except that one is below the other.
1: Yeah, the middle of the map just kind of. It looks like a big blurb to me. I hate to say it, you know, but, uh, not knocking any of it, you know, but I,
0: I don't yeah, know. Either. Yeah, and it's, I think it's, I mean, I, oddly enough, it's one of those things that I think you know more as a kid, because like you're learning it and, and it's beat into you that you need to know it. But it's I th- probably the first thing that I forgot once I was out of school um all right so uh before we uh get to the end and wrap up here uh i I do want to um ask what made you uh, decide to to write a a book did you have an interest in writing before this or uh is this just something that you're like man this is a this would make a great book i gotta get it down yeah
1: a combination i'm a Bibliophile, bibliomaniac. Whatever. I mean, I read. It's it's been a part of my life since I was a child. I am just a, a big book nerd. You know, book nerd unite. I'm just. It, it's who I am, and I've always, you know, kind of thought, you know, I'd like to write a book someday. And a lot of my colleagues or friends on a variety of other topics, you know, have said, well, you should really write a book one day. You should really write a book one day. Um, about different, either my experiences growing up or my experiences working. I worked in the prison system for ten years, and but I, I almost kind of like wanted to put a tester out, if that makes sense. You know, like let me see if I can, let me see if it's something I can do, and you know, kind of tossed it around back and forth. And I thought, well, what would I want to write a book about? Something that I know. I don't want to just you know uh, start telling stories. I'm definitely not a creative person, and Thinking about it, I thought, well, I know how to buy a house, as, as silly as that sounds. Um, I know how to do it. I've done it multiple times, and I've always done it kind of under the gun in a time crunch. The first time I bought one, I literally had 30 days because I was actually leaving my job. And so I was kind of running my time out. I needed to buy a house before I left my job because the job that I was in came with a house. So um I was like, I kind of got this down. I've kind of got it down to a science, and yet I know there are so many people out there that that struggle with it. They don't know what to do. So, here we go, you know. And I thought this is pretty. To me, it's pretty basic information. But I will a get the information out there, and if just one person reads it and is able to buy a house, great, I help somebody. And b it will also walk me through the writing a book process. So if I decide to do it again or, you know, maybe do some some stories about growing up or, you know, my time in various careers, I know what I'm doing. And then once I sat down, it was a pretty neat experience. And even kind of just going back and thinking about the first time I bought the house. And I, I think I mentioned it in my email, 30 days after I closed on my first house, Hurricane Ike hit. And I lived on the coast. I lived on the Gulf coast of Texas. And it was just like, you're kidding me. You know, first the real estate market crashed when I'm trying to buy a new house. And 30 days after I closed, a hurricane hit it. I mean, so just going back to those memories was a, a pretty neat process.
0: We, we had a similar experience, except that kind of worked in our favor is uh, Hurricane Sandy hit three weeks before we closed. Uh and our and and you know we were very lucky compared to New Jersey obviously but you know our area still got hit pretty hard and the section we moved into is one of two sections uh, in the county that still had like the original trees that were planted like 60 70 years ago when the section was these sections were first built up so they were tall tall trees and a lot of them didn't get cut down and when we when we bought the house I made an offer. There was four trees. And then after Sandy, two of them fell across the street like and, and went across the street. And uh, so it, it sucked to have uh, the cleanup because the, the, it, the cleanup was kind of left for us. And, and we worked all that out in the closing, but uh, I was very, I felt very fortunate that it, it happened before uh, we ma- we closed cause we didn't have to deal with anything insurance wise. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, you talk about a headache. So I during Ike, my neighbor's tree fell on my house. I mean, it, yeah, it was it was crazy. And I I got home and because obviously i had evacuated and there's this huge oak tree just on the, there was a back room and it was just kind of laying there on the roof and it was just like oh my god, but it, it was so it was such a disaster area that the insurance people were just coming out and the guy just jumped on the roof and he just basically, you know, bam, 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 you know, tree. Like this could happen and just like write you a check on the spot for the maximum amount of damage that could be done. And so fortunately, although it was a horrible event, you know, the response from the insurance company was, was pretty painless, but I got out there and, and we cleaned a lot of it up ourselves. It was, but I was just like, you can't be serious. I just bought my first house, and now it's gonna get blown away in a hurricane. Yeah,
0: it was when when we had made the offer, and I think it was accepted. Uh, like we, the hurricane happened, and that's like we, like the next morning when like all the damage had been done. We we took a drive around the section, and like it was, I, I had never seen so much damage. Uh, and again, like the very light. I would have to assume compared to a lot of other places because we are inland enough from, from the ocean, from Atlantic ocean to, to really not have to, to worry about uh, a hurricane usually. But uh, I mean, there were sections of the street blocked because trees were falling. I mean, and a lot of houses got, demolished it like sounds like what your house had like just a tree right through the middle of it or through the back room or you know several different scenarios because there's just a lot of trees in the section and it was um but yeah the same thing i don't know how it worked i don't know how the insurance companies worked around uh because we again we didn't have to deal with it but um the section got cleaned up pretty quick and and seemed like everyone kind of recovered quickly that that had a, a, a tree through their house yeah, no,
1: it's amazing because, you know, you've got all these construction companies and fly-by-nights that, you know, they just, they flock to an area. They flock to an area. So you've got more than just your local people. You've got groups that that just travel basically doing this, this cleanup and, and repair. So
0: um, if you uh, decide to move forward with writing uh, another book, it sounds like you're kind of maybe staying, shying away from the, the fiction world, you're going to stick with some nonfiction stuff.
1: Yes, absolutely. I am, I'm just not imaginative or creative. Um, So I definitely, I don't even really read a lot of fiction. I read, I read nonfiction. I read a lot of memoirs, um, historical nonfiction It's a lot of cultural, anthropological nonfiction. So if I my plan is to um, expand on the current book, I I do want to expand on it, um, because right now it basically just leads up into, you know, you finding a realtor. And I think I'm going to take it a little further. Mine is a lot more of the background work and just put in some information that's come out in the last um, three or four months out an expanded edition, but you know, moving forward, I might, cause I've had several people say I either need to write about, you know, some experiences I had growing up, or like I said, I worked for 10 years in the Texas prison system and men's facility. So, you know, definitely got some stories there. It's just, I always, you know, it's getting those stories kind of back to the forefront of your mind. And, but then I'm, I'm also, you know, I want to be very careful because I don't want to I don't want to tell anybody else's story. And that's, that's something that I kind of struggled with, even in writing about some of my experiences growing up and even in early adulthood, I don't want to tell anybody else's story. And, and it happens, you know, when you're telling your own story, there, there are other actors in your story and you have to be, I think, very careful about about some of the things you reveal or some of the things that you say, because they either don't want it told or, or their perception may be yeah, different.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, that, uh, is like every day, every day conversation is, <laughs> is almost, you know, uh, either telling your story along with a bunch of other people or, uh, actively avoiding telling their story. Um, it's, it's cause for me, uh, the reason like th- this, podcast is marketed kind of as a long form interview podcast, but at the end of the day, it's, it's more of a, I consider it a, a long form conversation podcast. Cause I'm ai uh, I, and my audience, I think would agree a terrible interviewer, but if I don't prepare for anything, which I, many people say that you're just lazy, you don't prepare. Uh, that's, that's if I, if I prepare, I have a list of questions I have a list of like ten questions. I ask one. I don't pay attention to what you say because I'm so nervous about the next question that I just ignore everything you said, don't play off the conversation and read question two. So uh that's why I like to call this more of a conversation. And but that's all that is is storytelling. A conversation is just storytelling.
1: So mm-hmm. yeah, I think we all for the most part, I think I was reading somewhere um, about how to write, and it said everybody has a story, and, and you know the author felt like everybody has a book in them. Some people have more than one, you know. Some people have ten, but but everybody has a book. But it's just it's something that I've struggled with. You know, how much of somebody else's story can can you really
0: that uh, and this is kind of a, a good note to, to maybe end on before we get your plugs in is that, that thing you read about someone saying everyone has a story to tell is uh, I, I'm a, you know, obviously a fan of podcasts. Cause I, I, I do one. Um, but uh, the guy that got me into it is Kevin Smith, who directed clerks in the nineties and a bunch of other movies that people have either heard of or they haven't. Um, but he, now he mm-hmm. does, you know, a lot of podcasting and, he mm-hmm. says basically the same thing about uh, and he's always kind of told people before podcasts, he always used to tell people at the end of his q and A's, like, hey, go make a movie. Anyone can do it. I did it. And uh, and then, you know, he's a little bit more elegant about it. But now he says the same thing about podcasting because it is the the one of the 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 easiest least well not really least expensive but definitely less expensive than a movie um way to tell a story and and he says literally the same thing you just said about everyone has a story to tell and everyone has an audience that's willing to listen or you know in your case read um and uh you just have to to do it that's like and, and it's funny, I've talked to people who wanted to start a podcast or have, you know, wanted to do something. And I said, well, here's the the thing, the, the, the number one hurdle to get over is just doing it. If it's everyone wants to do something, it's just a matter of getting off the, you know, the, the, your, your, your rear end and, and actually doing it. Once you do it, then it's all easy from there. And once
1: you do it, it's done.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh but uh, yeah, it's it's uh literally I if someone was asking about the podcast and they're like, "How do I just like I want to do this, but like I don't know, there's this this and this." It's like, you're going to make up a million different things to get in the way. You just need to find an hour, sit down with no interruption and just hit record and do it. And then it'll be easy every time you do it. And I I th- I think the same could be said probably about any kind of creative uh, forum you have, whether it's podcasting, filmmaking, or writing a book.
1: I agree. Cause I sat on the idea. Of, I can't tell you how long. And finally I just <laughs> said, open up your computer and just start hammering away. And, and once you take that first step, it's just, it's like the domino effect, you know, but I think that yeah. first, it's the first step. And God, I, I, I'm cliche, you know, I sound like a cliche right now, but it is, it's that first step that is the hardest.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And and I say the same thing and 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 I mainly just kind of regurgitate what, what Kevin Smith has said, but uh yeah, it, it it's that first step, as you said. And here's um something that I don't know if uh you know of, because it might be more for fiction writers, but something that like I try to do and I, I usually don't quote unquote succeed based off what they set the goal to, but there's um in November is National Novel Writing Month, Nano Rimo. Uh, so that's like a, and, and I'll include the, the link in the show notes and whatnot along with all your, your links that we're gonna, we're about to talk about. But it's a great little like, um, challenge that this nonprofit organization has put together to encourage, you know, you know, everyone, you know, but they also have a strong like encouragement for kids. uh, And I say kids, but like, you know, teenagers, whoever, young people uh, to get out there and write. And it's like, I think it's like in the month of November, they want you to write every day, write About I think an average is about 1600 words a day and get to 50,000 words in that month. Uh, And you'll have yourself a novel by the time you're done. And I think that's such a cool challenge that I, I try to do every every year. And and I usually don't hit it because I, I have my hands in so many different projects. But it's a fun exercise and it's something that um, I think everyone – You know, if if you're not going to start a podcast, then do that do that writing challenge because it's I think it's a cool exercise. Even if you don't succeed, at least it's um, you're taking you're taking that first step, and then it will lead you to the next step and keep on taking you down to the path until you're done writing your book. It might take longer than that month, but uh, I highly encourage everyone to check it out.
1: That's amazing, and that's something I could have my high school kids do definitely.
0: Oh, and they actually do uh, and, I, and I can give you the link once we're um, once we're done here. They do something, um, I think, throughout the entire year, but definitely I think in April they do something that's a little bit, I think, geared towards um, uh, kids. I don't you know. And I say that as anyone basically younger than me. Uh, so um, I, I would definitely yeah, check it out and see if, if they offer anything that's good for uh, your, your students. I'll, I'll get you the link. But. People here that are listening to this episode are not here necessarily for that length. They're here about your book and uh, anywhere else they can find you. So please, please share any plugs and links that you want to uh, get out there to the world.
1: So first, of course, I would say go on Amazon.com because we're exclusively through Amazon um, and just look for the 90 day house um, and the book will pop up. It's currently a bestseller and in a couple of categories. So if they would just download that, if you do have Kindle Unlimited, it is free. I am offering it through Kindle Unlimited for about another month, month and a half. Um, the e-copy is currently only two ninety nine. dollars I mean, I just uh, to me, that's just a very risk-free investment. Um, and if you're interested in getting um, the paper copy, you know, it's $9.99. But I definitely, if anyone is interested in purchasing their first house or another home within the next year to 18 months, $2.99 is a, is a good investment. And with that $2.99, um, you also get access to a, to a group to, for everyone who's purchased the book. And I regularly post up, updates, but one of the most important things that I post is every zero down mortgage product that I find, I post it. And so this saves people from looking. Um, you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kinsey A. Bond. I'm Kenzie A. Bond everywhere. Um, and then if you just want to check out some more information about the book, it's 90dayhouse.com
0: very good we'll have all those links in the show notes of course as well in case you're in the middle of driving please don't open up your phone to go to these sites uh just wait until you're safe somewhere and then check it all out uh kenzie thank you for doing the show it was a, a pleasure talking to you about uh real estate and houses and of course the the tangents of la a batman <laughs> Thanks once again to Kenzie for being on the show. Check out The 90 Day House, available on Amazon.com. We'll have a link in the show notes for you. Uh, thank you, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you're still with us at this point, uh, again, it means a lot to us. Um, we normally have a lot of announcements that I like to make, but because of Keystone Comic Con, I'm kind of still like in the... In the Uh, middle of catching up on everything uh we're we're working on booking our uh january festival um it will be our third annual festival that we we run to celebrate everything is awesome uh The anniversary of this podcast and also to raise money for a cancer organization we'll be working with headstrong this year uh so we're changing directions um and we're also going to look into expanding the uh festival beyond just tattooed mom beyond just podcasting we're looking at comedy in general we want podcasters we want comedians we want comedy films we want to do uh screen some some short films some films whatever it is uh so if you are i will this is what i will announce if you are um a comedy person, whether you're an improv uh, comedian, a, a stand-up comedian, a podcaster, if you are a filmmaker and you want to show off your movie at the 2019 Everything is Awesome Headstrong uh, Comedy Festival, raising money to uh, benefit Headstrong, the Headstrong Foundation, please, please, please hit me up on Twitter at that Nerdy kev uh, I can send you an application for the festival. Uh, we are looking for... Uh, Top talent. We're going to be in the Philadelphia area. Primarily, we're going to be looking at South Street at venues there, including Tattooed Mom uh, and some other venues that we'll announce as we get closer. So, yet again, uh, if you are a comedy person and you want to get involved, you want to help, you want to support, uh headstrong the headstrong foundation please 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 hit me up on twitter at that nerdy cab you can either dm me or just uh, tag me up in a tweet and we'll connect um if you are looking for other shows to listen to beyond this great great show everything is awesome check out bullies keep out dana sits down and talks about ways to cope with bullying uh, and other aspects that stem from bullying She also sits down with some great people, uh, like one of the most recent episodes that will be posted uh, a day or two after this, uh, to talk about their own experiences um, and and how they deal with bullying or other aspects that kind of fall under the umbrella. Bullies Keep Out, I think, kind of touches, I don't think I know, they touch a whole bunch of different areas, Um, more than just bullying, but a lot of the things that that they work on all stem or can stem from bullying, including depression, suicide, and stuff like that. So, uh, Dana does a great job, so make sure you check that out on thatentertains.com slash network. Super friends uh in october as i mentioned earlier on the show at the top of the show we'll be launching two new shows uh first after party of one where i sit down with people in the tabletop role-playing community to discuss recent episodes of jeff stormer's party of one podcast Uh, and and of course black squadron radio a star wars news and topical podcast that actually will probably be starting in november along with another show that we'll uh, be talking about in a few weeks here we'd like to end everything is awesome with a call to action super friends There are a lot of terrible things happening right now, and it can feel like you can't do anything to help, but you can. It takes people like us to make a difference, and one of the easiest and most important ways to take action is to call your representatives about issues that are important to you. With November looming, November's right around the corner, election day is right around the corner, there is no greater thing to make sure you have uh, your ability to vote. Make sure you are registered to vote. You can go to vote.org to check your status, uh, and if you're not registered to vote, register to vote. Um, If we want to see real, real change, we need to do it ourselves. We had a low turnout at the last major election, and that might be why we're where we're at today. Whether you agree with that or not, if you are happy with where things are, you still should go out and vote. But if you're not, if you want to see things turn around, I implore you, go out and register to vote. It is your right to go do it. Please, please, please uh, let's take this country back uh, from the, the reality TV show that it's turned into, um, and it all starts with us at the midterm elections. Uh, vote.org to register to vote. When I call my reps, I use a site called 5 That's the number 5calls.org. There, you'll find issue summaries of issues that are important to you, contact and for your representatives, and a script to read while you're on the phone to make sure your message gets across. Calling is quick, easy, and is one of the most important ways to have your voice heard. It can make a tremendous difference. Let your voice be heard. Thank you. To our supporters on Patreon.com/thatentertains, if you want to support us in a non-monetary way, word-of-mouth recommendations and five-star rating reviews on iTunes are the best way to spread the good word of awesome. You can find us on at Real Awesome Pod on Facebook.com and Twitter. You can also find us on Instagram at Awesome Podcast, and we're available on AwesomePodcast.com and of course thatentertains.com/network. You can get more news about this show at AwesomePodcast.com and thatentertains.com but also on my personal Twitter at that and Rekev is where I do a lot of things. If you're interested in ad rates, live appearances, help with your podcast or have it a question or comment, email us at awesome at Everything is Awesome is a production of That Entertains Podcast Network in association with Crude Humor Studios. Crude Humor Studios is a Philadelphia-based production company specializing in audio. You can find more information at crudehumorstudios.com. Thanks for listening, super friends. We've been awesome. That's Entertainment Podcast Network. Entertainment and culture. Artist owned, fan supported.